Welcome everyone to Star Talk All Stars. My name is Dustin Groick. I am a science communicator, a huge dinosaur nerd, and someone who has spent way too much time thinking about dinosaur sex in preparation for this podcast. Um, I'm not alone though. I could not do this by myself. I'm joined with a couple of esteemed colleagues. Uh, the Abbot to my Costello. Yeah, the Bert to my Ernie. Uh, may I even say the Fifty Shades to my Gray? Meg Pearson, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my goodness, I'm delighted to be here. Meg, I know you guys at home can't see this because this is a podcast and that's video doesn't work for that, but Meg dressed up for today's episode. She's wearing pearls. You are ravishing. Thank you. I decided to channel Jackie O for the uh, for the podcast. Yep, she was a big fan of dinosaur sex. Not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people do. No. So now, Meg, it's not just you and I. We are joined with an actual dinosaur expert because uh, we kind of only play ones for the purposes of the podcast. So, Shayna Montanari, how are you doing today? Oh, I am stoked to talk about dinosaur sex. I, I know you are. So, Shayna is a paleontologist. She's a science writer, um, and I've been speaking to her all week, and I know that you have spent more time this week than maybe ever before thinking very specifically about dinosaur inter- intercourse. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about that? Is this a departure from the things you normally study? Is it, you know, it is and it isn't. Um, I personally like to study dinosaur eggs. So that's basically about as sexy as I get when I'm talking about dinosaur sex. But there's what comes before that is uh, pretty interesting. I feel like we have like a chicken or egg first situation here that we might get into a little bit later. But yes, dinosaurs did lay, lay eggs. Excuse me. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, I really felt like because today's episode is all about dinosaur sex, Meg, we need to set the mood. Right. I know the lights in here are pretty dim. I know you dressed up. I had a glass of red wine. I'm feeling a little sexy. I'm oh, not going to wow. lie. Is that Kenny G playing in the background? Uh, we can add that in post. Sure. Oh, good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, I again, I was doing a little research this week, getting prepped for this episode, and I stumbled upon something on Amazon that I don't know if everyone is aware of. But did you know, both in audio and written form, there's a whole genre of erotica known as that's right. Dinosaur erotica. Whoa, tell me more. That is a real thing. So Meg, I just, you know, again, to set the mood, I want to read a couple actual real titles. You can go on Amazon and purchase these right now. Again, after you listen to the podcast, but right after you listen to the podcast, here we go, Meg. Are you ready? I'm so I'm ready. excited to hear which your favorite is because these are pretty saucy. So one, uh, Ravaged by Raptors. Whoa. It's pretty good. Uh, taken by the Pterodactyl. Oh my stars. My dream come true. <laughs> You want me just lifted and carried away by a pterodactyl? Honestly, yes. And I communicate that pretty clearly on my Tinder account. Have you gotten responses for that? I have never been swiped right on before. Really? It's no one has pointed out that pterodactyls have like paper thin bones and would not have had the strength to be able to carry you away. Well, actually, somebody did send that message and it uh, it actually sent me down a shame spiral and I felt pretty bad. But I would still be down for uh, for an attempt. An attempt with a pterodactyl. Like, it just like lift me up to just my 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 toes on the on the ground. That'd make me feel good about myself. Sure. Why not? Okay, so those are the first two. Those are just like the warm up. So the next couple, so first, I this I don't even understand. A triceratops turned me gay. Oh my god. I how mean, does that even is that that doesn't work? I don't know I'll how tell that you works. What? Uh, I mean, who among us hasn't had that experience in a college shower? Am I right? You know? All right, we're getting into the real good ones. Uh this personal fave. This is real. Space Raptor butt invasion. Woo. Yeah. 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 You can listen to that on Amazon right now. Um, and last but not least, uh, T-Rex law firm, executive boner. Whoa. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. How are you feeling now? You feeling a little more Randy? I'm feeling good. And I'm feeling that if these are available for download, mm -hmm. uh, I want to sit on a train and determine based on facial expressions, who's listening to uh, a triceratops made me gay. Mm -hmm. I don't First, you got to do like intraspecies before. I don't even know how we get into that. But Meg, we're not talking about audiobooks. Today. We're talking about real live, actual dinosaur sex. Mm -hmm. How did it happen? Why did it happen? Where did it happen? What did it look like? What did the nether bits look like? We got a lot of questions. I think I really enjoyed the questions that came from uh, our listeners, Cosmic Queries, because they hit upon a bunch of the things that we want to talk about today. So I thought we would use those questions to really seed the discussion. So our first question. Oh, yes. So our first question is actually from B is for bats from Instagram. Uh, do you guys think that there were uh, same sex relationships between dinosaurs? So I asked this question to Shannon and she was like, there's no way we know if there was homosexual dinosaurs, which is true. But if we look at living animals today um, across lots of different types of species, there are hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of different animals that have, we have observed homosexual behavior in the wild. So as far as I'm concerned, it stands to reason that there were probably some gay dinosaurs or at least dinosaurs who dabbled in homosexual activity. Shana, do you think that's a fair statement to say? Yeah, I mean, when we want to study behavior, uh, you know, ancient behavior, basically, our best evidence is the closest relatives of those animals now. So like you said, you know, looking at birds now, we do see evidence of uh, homosexual behavior. So, you know, dinosaurs could have been the same. Is it a spectrum? I don't know. We'd have to interview a dinosaur and the ones that we're talking about today are extinct. Okay. It's hard to know. Hard to know. But like it actually brings up a good point. For today's purposes, for our, our discussion today, we're going to talk about heterosexual dinosaur sex. There may have been homosexual dinosaur interactions, but for our purposes today, especially leading up to the eggs that Shana referenced, we're going to need to have heterosexual dinosaur sex. So I kind of have a very basic question sure. uh, for you guys. Mm -hmm. So uh, Haney, Lauren P., and Joe027 from Instagram both wanted to know, uh, how do you determine if a dinosaur is a female or a male? That's a really good question, right? We need a male, we need a female in order for them to mate. And it wasn't until relatively recently that we were able to determine, at least for some fossilized dinosaurs, what sex they were while they were alive. I think the best example came out of NC State, a team of paleontologists led by Mary Schweitzer, actually looked at some T Rex specimens and found evidence of something called medullary bone. And Shane, I'm going to throw it to you because you're the expert on this. What exactly is medullary bone and how were they able to use that to determine the sex of an animal that hasn't been alive for 70 million years? Yeah, this is a great question um, because it's actually really tough to tell the difference between male and female dinosaurs in fossils, except for this one big trick, the medullary bone, as you mentioned. So in 2005, Mary Schweitzer published a study that she found the special type of bone that you only see in living birds called medullary bone, but she saw it in a T-Rex fossil. And this special kind of bone, it has a really interesting appearance. Um, and it's basically a rapidly deposited type of bone that's used as a store of calcium to make eggshells in the body. So birds are the only living animals that have medullary bone and it only forms in females prior and during their egg laying. So when we see this uh, cut open a dinosaur limb bone and we see this type of bone inside, it means that it was definitely a female. Uh, it does not exist in males. And, but kind of trickily enough, um, it's not always in female bones either, unless it's like right before they lay eggs or while they're laying eggs. So it, you know, it's a very small window of time that we have to catch so we can tell that uh, we're definitely looking at a, a female. 
dinosaur. So that, so that particular specimen, that would mean that that animal, that individual died either while giving, like laying eggs or had just laid eggs? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Also, yeah. how, how reticent are, I assume you have to do something to the bone as in like microscopy or maybe even like cut it in half to get to the medullary bone. Like how often are people willing to ruin or maybe like damage this fossil in order to do that type of investigation? Yeah, that's a really good question because to get inside the bone, you do the only way is to cut into it. Um, sometimes we make something that's called a thin section. So we'll cut all the way into the bone and make a really, really thin slice, just a few microns and put it on a glass slide so we can look at it under a microscope and see all the details. Um, and sometimes, you know, we're getting better at it. We need smaller and smaller pieces. We can take tiny little cores and tiny little pieces of bone. So we're not really ruining the fossil. And, you know, some people would say, using the bone to find out more information is not, you know, even if you do damage it a little bit, you still get new, completely new information you wouldn't have gotten any other way. So that's my, that's my plug for, you know, some, what we call destructive sampling, but um, yeah, you do have to cut into the bone to look at that. Have we done that a lot? Like, is that something that happens a lot or are there's not a lot of specimens that we think are worth doing that to? Oh yeah, it does happen a lot. Um, luckily, you know, when we're looking for fossils, we sometimes find pieces that look really nice, but might not have too much diagnostic information, or maybe it's just like one part of a long bone that we don't really, we can tell what animal it came from, but we can't really tell much more about it. There's not much more to study. It's not part of like a perfect skeleton or anything that we're going to describe, or that's going to become, you know, the type specimen. Um, so, you know, so instead of just having it sit in a drawer and just, you know, kind of collect dust, we can, we can analyze it uh, up close and see more information about it. Okay. So apparently we've got a female, at least one in this instance. So we're going to need a male. Um, as far as I know, we haven't found any evidence of baculums in the fossil record, right? So baculums are penis bones. The majority of mammals on earth today actually have penis bones. Uh, I don't know, Meg, I don't know if you know this, but men, human men do not. No, I was, I was raised with a pretty strict religious upbringing. Okay. So a lot right. of this is new information okay. to me. All right. Yeah. So men do not have penis bones, um, except for me, not in my body, but in my book bag, which I carry on me always. And those of you home who can't see this right now, I'm currently handing Meg Pearson a raccoon baculum um, because, you know, why not? Yeah, it's very heavy. It's not that heavy. <laughs> it's a few inches long. Um, I actually, <laughs> sidebar, I love at Naturalist Museums looking specifically for baculums because a lot of times, even in complete skeletons, museums just choose not to display them. I don't know why. I mean, the skeleton wouldn't have been there in the first place had it not had a baculum to reproduce with. Anyway, so kids, next time you're at your local naturistic museum, just look straight at a skeleton's crotch. See if you can find a baculum. Might be a mammal. I often do that anyway. And uh, for those who are not in the room, uh, I do want to point out yes. that this uh, baculum appears to have been gnawed on. Uh, Did I, somebody gnaw on yeah, this? Yeah, no comment. No comment. <laughs> okay. I don't know where that came from. Okay. You never chewed on like your pencil in class? When I you were chewed a on a pencil. Anyway, moving on. So this is a baculum. Now we are pretty sure, Shana, correct me if I'm wrong. We're pretty sure there were no dinosaur baculums because we have not found any penis bones in the fossil record. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, uh, placental mammals are the only animals that have a baculum. So not even all of them do have it, but not that's a, it's, it's a pretty limited trait. So yeah, we're not seeing that in, in birds or uh, dinosaurs. Okay, so it's hard. We just have to kind of make the assumption that there were males. We found a specific number of, of dinosaurs, especially like T-Rex that we know is a female. We're going to make an assumption there's a male there as well in order to get together to actually create more dinosaurs. 
Now, I'm wondering though, so outside of just the nether bit anatomy, we have a question from Miriam on Instagram. So she's asking, since birds and some dinosaurs may share a common ancestor, she said, or something like that, we all know now that birds are dinosaurs. Does that mean that dinosaurs might've had elaborate dancing or courting displays that like birds do have today? Like, do we have any evidence whatsoever uh, that speaks of mating displays in dinosaurs? Yeah, we're kind of remarkably, we actually do. Um, There was a study that was from a few years ago looking at a trackway. And so we see dinosaur trackways all around the world, basically footprints and handprints of all different species of dinosaurs walking around where they lived. But in one of them in Colorado, there was an interesting feature of these sort of long divots or scrapes that were about six feet uh, long. And their best interpreted is actually scrapes uh, that dinosaurs probably made with their feet when showing off to females, because this is actually a trait that modern, some modern birds have. Um, Puffins do this. They kind of show off to females by strutting around and scraping, showing how good they are at making a nest by scraping on the ground. Oh, so, and so puffins do that. Yeah. Puffin puffins are one of the birds that do that. So is it standard reason that uh, other dinosaur species or maybe, well, any dinosaur species at all may have exhibited other mating display behaviors, such as like bower birds that are alive today that create these kind of elaborate like tunnels that are filled with beautifully blue colored things to attract the female. I'm just speculating. I'm wondering in your opinion, I know this is probably almost pure speculation, but outside of those scrape displays, do you think that dinosaurs or certain species did something similar to some of the stuff we see in birds today when it comes to elaborate mating displays? Oh yeah, I definitely think they did. Um, some dinosaurs had, you know, spikes and all these different you know, clubs and things on their heads and all that, you know, they were probably colorful. The feathers that they had were probably colorful. So it just, you know, gives them a lot of opportunities to probably had some crazy rituals that they did much like uh, birds do now. So, I mean, yeah, it, unfortunately, we probably won't know. I think I've said we'll never know about things that we eventually did find out. But, you know, behavior is one of those things that, you know, really gets lost to, to time, unfortunately, that we might not ever see. This might be the only time that I can actually contribute a dinosaur thing. Oh, my God. Um, but based on a conversation that we had the last time we were here at Star Talk, uh, are we? Um, so my question is, um, isn't it true that stegosauruses, it's possible that their plates could go down or they could come up potentially for mating displays? I'm going to let Shana take that one. I've heard that exact fact. And I do know that like basically any weird feature on a dinosaur is either for fighting or flirting. And it's hard for us to specifically determine. But as far as stegosaurus goes, Shana, do you want to take that one? Because I found this fascinating. Um, that they could be used for mating displays? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the plates that they had were kind of mysterious of why they had them in the first place. So it could be uh, for showing off. So I think that that's a good, it's a definitely a good hypothesis. I contributed something. You did. Yes, you did. I mean, I love the idea of thinking about these crazy features we see on Stegosaurus or other dinosaurs as not just weird things, but actually very useful because I mean, that's how evolution of biology works. Like those things wouldn't exist unless they serve some sort of adaptive purpose. And yeah, there's a lot of debate around those stegosaurus plates, whether or not they stuck straight up in the air. Like you see them always displayed in naturalistic museum versus laying flat on their sides or some combination thereof. Like I like to think of a stegosaurus again, I'm speculating here, but I like to think of a stegosaurus. Like, you know, he's sauntering around with his tiny little walnut brain and he sees a lady he likes and maybe he flips those up to kind of show her what she, what he's got. Or alternatively, like I said, fighting or flirting, maybe he encounters a predator that he's scared of. And just like a cat kind of puffs itself up to make itself look bigger. 
times of being threatened, maybe it did that as well. But we do know in those plates that they were crisscrossed with channels of blood vessels that probably filled with blood to help it thermoregulate. And now I'm recognizing parallels between penises and stegosaurus plates. Blood vessels. Yeah. Shayna, um, <laughs> is that a ridiculous thing I just said? Uh, um, well, <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they could have been a thermo, some sort of thermoregulation. It's actually really controversial of what these plates were for. I mean, they probably weren't a penis is what I'm saying. Uh, so I wasn't <laughs> insinuating they were themselves a penis. I was thinking about I, similar blood vessels and maybe capillary action that allowed them to like get bigger and blush red. I don't know. But I definitely know the new topic of my upcoming dino porn that I will be writing mm -hmm. in which they are all penises. Every single one of them. Every single, <laughs> just a back. Wow. Yeah. I knew that's not what you meant, but I just wanted to say it anyway. I mean, but that's, we'll get into that as well in a little bit, because like a lot of these animals we're talking about, once we figure out who the male is, who the female is and what their actual genitalia look like, we have to actually bring these crazy bodies together. And a lot of them were covered in plates and spikes and weird features. And like, I don't care how big of a condom you got. Like, that's never going to be safe sex. You got to do that very carefully. Like, I always wonder how even porcupines and hedgehogs, how they get together, but they make it happen. So we know that dinosaurs like Stegosaurus made it happen. Maybe we'll find out more as we move on. I hope so. Yeah. I feel like that's a good time to take a break, though. We'll come back in a little bit with some more of your questions. And Meg, your favorite and mine, hopefully every single person listening's favorite part of the show. Meg, we are going to play Is It a Dinosaur? Yes. And we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Star Talk All-Stars. My name is Dustin Groek. I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Meg Pearson. And also dinosaur paleontologist expert and all-around badass lady, Shana Montanari. Thank you guys again for joining me. I'm no, a pleasure. Is oh, I'm, deep in, I'm deep in thought about See dinosaur sex, did obviously. Yes, Shana is just lost in thought about the intricacies of dinosaur sex. Now, before we get into, get into, specifically get into what the anatomy down there might have looked like. Meg, last time we did this, we played a game called Is It a Dinosaur? And I nailed it. And you did incredibly poorly. <laughs> but wow. I still love you. Thank you so much. Um, and so I thought we'd play a game to give you a chance at redemption. Okay. So here's how this is going to work, just for a refresher. I'm going to say the name of a dinosaur. Or maybe it's not a dinosaur. It might be a name I totally made up. And your job, Meg, is to simply say dinosaur, if it's a dinosaur, or not a dinosaur, if it is not a dinosaur. Now, if I say the name of a dinosaur and you get it correct, you will hear this sound. Nope, let's try that again. You will hear this sound. I need a new bell. If you get it incorrect, Meg, you will hear the sound of me shaving at home. Oh, that's yeah. not, that sound is off-putting. It lets me know I failed. <laughs> that's the point. Okay. But you're not gonna hear this at all because you're gonna get all 10 of these correct. That's true. Meg Pearson, are you ready to play? Oh, I'm is so ready. I'm ready. All right, here we go, Meg. This is for you, Mom. Number one, Cryolophosaurus. Not a dinosaur. I'm sorry, Meg. Cryolophosaurus is a dinosaur. It's an Antarctic dinosaur. A well, theropod. they don't count. They're very cold. They're we'll leave it at that. Freezing. All right. So 0 for 1. That's all right. Rough start. We're going to keep it moving. Patagotitan. Dinosaur. Correct. Meg, that is correct. That is a giant sauropod from what is now Argentina. Moving along. Technosaurus. 
Not a dinosaur. Actually, yes, a dinosaur. You can find it at New York's hottest club listening to music that goes. (laughs) No, actually, that is a real dinosaur. Shana, did you know that Techno Dinosaur? I'm sorry, Technosaurus was a dinosaur because I did not. Um, I actually did not. Tell me more. Uh, Well, apparently it is a small theropod and it likes techno music. That's all I know about it. Well, it likes techno music. uh, According to my very hasty research. Moving on. Meg, you're doing pretty good. Next one. Rapalocious. That is a dinosaur. No, I totally made that up. I'm sorry. Rapalocious is not a dinosaur. You love rap. I I do. And I love lociousness as well. Yeah. All right. Next. Parasaurolophus. Dinosaur. Parasaurolophus is a dinosaur. In fact, one of my absolute favorite dinosaurs. I can't say absolutely my favorite because that would be like picking a favorite child and I would not do that. Next. I think that's one of Shana's favorite as well. Am I, am I right, Shana? No, my favorite was Velociraptor. Oh, that's right. Shana just out and out picked a, a favorite and that is awesome. All right. You know what, Meg? Don't change the subject. You're not doing very well, but you have time to redeem yourself. Here we go. Keeping it rolling. We're in the second half. Dozer. Dinosaur. Actually, no. Oh, come on. Those are the little workers in Fraggle Rock. So no, Dozer is not a dinosaur. That's all right. Moving on. Osriel. Not a dinosaur. That is correct. Osriel is the cat from Smurfs. I'm glad that you learned. Last time you said that Gargamel from the Smurfs was a dinosaur. Not true, but I'd love to see that you've improved. That was the heat of the moment, and I studied on Smurfs. Smurfs. I, I love Smurfs. All right, next, Utah Raptor. Dinosaur. That is a dinosaur, and if you guess it was a raptor from Utah, you're correct. Oh. In the home stretch, Nano Tyrannus. Dinosaur. Yes! Nailing it. Meg, you're crushing it right now. I think you're like... You're definitely passing. You're above a D, which is all that it takes here. Wow. Star Talk All-Stars. Last but not least, Erectopus. I wish it was a dinosaur, but it is not a dinosaur. You know what? I wish it was a dinosaur too, and it actually is. Wait, no, that's wrong. You were wrong. Erectopus (laughs) is an actual dinosaur. It is true. Uh, It's crazy. It is a basal allosaur. Allosaurid. Um, Shane, I'm curious as an actual paleontologist of those, were there any that you were like, no, that's not. And then actually were actually um, was? The, the technosaurus one got me. Cause I, I didn't know that one, but I did know the rest of them. I must admit, I you did were- also know that dozer was a cartoon <laughs> character. Well, did you know that Erectopus was a dinosaur? Cause that blew my mind when I learned that. Yeah, because, cause that's like one of the original, that's like a really old fossil though. That's like one of the first fossils ever described first dinosaur fossils ever described. Really? What, what can you tell us any more? Like what type of dinosaur? There's a megalosaur. It was originally the megalosaurus. And I think it was described in like the late 19th century, if I'm right. Megalosaurus. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say it now. Yeah. That is, and I'm clutching my pearls as you I say are. this, that is a filthy name. <laughs> that is filthy. And if that came out in the 19th century, then someone should have been <laughs> embarrassed and scandalized. Filth. Filth. I wonder if there's was an, a legit scientist who came up with that or someone who's just writing graffiti on a wall and was like, this is the new name. Someone's filthy drunk <laughs> sailor cousin came over and was like, name it Erectopus. I don't think you have to be a sailor. I know a lot of paleontologists who are very proficient drinkers. 
We, we've got off track, though. Why are we here, Meg? What are we talking about? Well, we're not talking about the Erectopus. No, That's for not. darn sure. No. Hey, actually, before we get into anything else, I, I did have a question here. Sure. And I wondered, so I know uh, with humans, uh, you know, we have different pelvic structures in dinosaurs. And Brett Gabe's dad from Facebook uh, and Weston Kennedy 2213 from Instagram wanted to know the same thing with me or as me. Um uh, are there differences in pelvic structure in dinosaurs that help differentiate the sexes? That's, I love that question. My background is actually in anthropology, and we talk a lot in physical and biological anthropology about how human pelvises have changed over the course of, well, even before we were humans, right? Over the course of about the last seven million years or so, and how when you become habitually bipedal and you're walking on two legs, tons of changes happen in your pelvic structure. It makes childbirth very difficult. Um, so I'm curious, it's a really good question. I'm curious to know if we can look at different dinosaur pelvic structures, really any other shapes, Shana, um, that can give us a clue as to whether or not they were sexually dimorphic, different shapes for different species, I'm sorry, for different sexes, or, or not. Is that something that we can, we can look and find in the fossil record? Um, yeah, that's a really good question because I guess, you know, everybody knows or a lot of people know that there are differences between male and female hips, you know, because – uh, in humans, that is, because hum, you know, human females give birth, so the hips have to be shaped slightly different uh, to let a baby come through. But actually, with fossils, dinosaur fossils, there doesn't really seem to be any noticeable differences between males and females uh, between the sexes. It's sort of controversial because for a long time, paleontologists looked at a couple, uh, you know, small sample sizes of bones and said. Oh yeah, there's different sizes, you know, males and females. There's sexual dimorphism in the bones. Um, but as time went on, we got bigger sample sizes, and paleontologists applied some more rigorous statistics. They actually saw there's not any noticeable, like real noticeable size differences, and that it could all just be uh, what we call intraspecific variation, variation that naturally occurs within a species. So that doesn't mean that there were not differences between males and females um, in the way that they looked in dinosaurs. There probably was, but just with the available evidence that we have, uh, can't really be detected. So bones, just the bones, that's all we have. And that makes it really hard for us to tell males and females apart. Besides what we talked about earlier with the special type of bones, or if you find eggs with the bones or inside the you know body cavity of a dinosaur, you know it's a female. But other than that, it can actually be really difficult um, to make any inferences about about yeah. the sex of the dinosaur. I, I love that you brought up like the idea basically of sample size because like what we know from the fossil record and what we know in general is incomplete, right? And so we keep on trying to find we keep on finding new information that fills in gaps. But if you think about it, like let's say you have two different animals and you have some big gap in the fossil record between them. We don't really know what was happening in there. And then let's say you do find something that fills that gap. Yeah, you're filling the gap between those two things, but ultimately you're creating two new gaps now between what we now know in the middle and on either end. So I love the fact that like science it speaks to the like the nature of science itself. There's always more for us to find out. As we keep on learning more, we keep on filling those gaps in with more and more knowledge. So it's not like we just don't know a thing. It's like we just don't know a thing yet. And that, to me, speaks to exactly why, as scientists, we do what we do, because that's incredibly exciting. We always know there's more information out there for us to find. So, But it does sound like, based strictly on the fossil record, we can only kind of start to sex a dinosaur fossil as a male or female, but we're not really sure what the actual stuff down there might have looked like. So we have to look at modern corollaries to glean clues about what dinosaur, extinct dinosaurs, 
genitalia may have looked like. So the best modern corollaries are obviously birds because birds are living dinosaurs. They're the only ones that survived the extinction some 66 million years ago. So Shana, I'm wondering when we look at modern birds, what is, what's going on down beneath the skirt there? And what can we use from what we know there to make inferences about extinct dinosaurs? So birds have something, a special thing that we do not have um, that is called a cloaca. And a cloaca is a one-stop shop uh, for all (laughs) excrement. So as hopefully everybody is aware, there are different exit points (laughs) for sexual and reproductive fluids, digestive fluids, and urinary fluids in humans. Hopefully everybody is aware of this. If not connect after the show (laughs) (laughs) if not you just found out a lot of information um but with birds this all comes through one hole (laughs) called the cloaca Um, amphibians and reptiles and birds have a cloaca and this may lead you to ask well then how do they reproduce well birds that have cloaca uh just reproduce by simply touching them together and dustin i'll let you say what that's called has a special name cloacal kiss Exactly. Uh, So yeah, so that's how a lot of bird species reproduce if they have a cloaca. It doesn't mean that they only have cloaca. Some birds do have penises. And I think that uh, you were really excited to talk about that. Of course, I'm excited to talk about bird penises. (laughs) Why do you think I'm here? But first, uh, last question about the cloaca. So if they both have cloacas and they do a cloacal kiss, is it not, do they just kind of like spray the genetic material from one cloaca into and on the other? Like, I'm curious to know how exactly that goes down. Um, we'll dim the lights. You can speak slowly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's just a rubbing. It's a whole rubbing situation. There's some rubbing? There's fluids Ooh. exchange. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not as direct as it could be, but it still Honestly, works. it's not it works, in New York though, right? either. It so. works. Yeah. It, as long as it works, that's all that matters. Okay. So, yeah. All birds have cloacas, right? But we now know that only, well, now, we, we know that some bird species are alive today also have penises that are housed internally inside their cloacas. And the birds that have these are some of the oldest lineages of birds, like such as waterfowl, such as ducks. The Kardashians. Um, the, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Corkscrew penises. Kardashians. Uh, you, yeah. So uh, whenever you throw out the Kardashians, I just, my mind goes somewhere else because I start thinking about the Kardashians. Cloda- uh, cl- <laughs> all the words are meshing the clo- into one. Clo- I am okay. very hot and bothered right now. <laughs> Clearly, cloacal kisses are not something I speak about in public. Ooh. How red is my face? It is red. Oh my gosh, look. Oh, I am a beat right now. Oh. So wait, let's go back to penises. Yes. So some of the oldest lineages of birds, such as ducks, have penises that are her- housed internally inside the cloaca. And the thing that's kind of fascinating fascinating to me about that is a because they're some of the oldest lineages of birds they may have some of the close they might be maybe some of the best corollaries when we think about what a dinosaur may have had but even more so there are actual videos that you can watch should you choose to about how duck penises function because duck penises are fascinating so again they're housed internally and we all know the size of a duck um, but duck penises are a corkscrewed true story and be ginormous for the size of their body. So picture the size of a duck corkscrew duck penises can reach up to seven inches long for the size of a duck. That is insane right now. Some alligator species, some species of reptile actually also have 
internal penises that are housed inside the cloaca. And if we look at the largest alligators at about like 15 feet, if we're going to look at other reptiles, 15 feet long, right? Their penises are only about five inches or so when they actually come out of the cloaca. So if we're going to use duck penises and we're going to use alligator penises to make guesses about how big, let's say a T-Rex penis might be, it doesn't really help. Because when we extrapolate up, we're looking at a penis the size of something anywhere from the size of like a 20-ounce Coke bottle to a cl- about a Toyota Camry. That is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so probably somewhere in between, but we just don't really know. So we got a coarser duck penis. We have potentially a giant Toyota Camry-sized T-Rex penis. Shayna, I'm curious to know has there been much study or speculation about like what it actually would look like for two animals, possibly of very large sizes to come together to mate? Because yes. like we mentioned earlier, um, like, and if you, that might not be easy if you're a stegosaurus or something that's covered in plates and spikes or simply a giant sauropod that weighs literally tons and tons and tons. Like how, how do you even bring those animals together? Yeah, they're actually, this was kind of a taboo question for paleontologists for a while. Didn't really think about it. Didn't really write much about it. Um, There have been since some people who have said, okay, let's see, like, if we can actually model this, if we can use the computer, use some complex biomechanics to see how this would have happened. And I think the consensus thus far has been that dinosaurs, that the really big ones, um, the female dinosaurs probably would have had to endure a lot of weight on their back because there would have had to been some sort of leg of the male kind of stretching over to like get under the tail. It's it sounds kind of complicated, but it could happen. And apparently like they could support the weight because it wouldn't be that much different than just normal motion if they supported themselves correctly. Um, there is another issue, as you mentioned, of dinosaurs that have spikes. So different types of, as you said, stegosaurs and, you know, ankylosaurs were really spiky. And a paleontologist actually modeled it to see if the same way they think, oh, like a, like a sauropod or a T-Rex may have, may have had sex would be similar. Actually saw that if that male dinosaur, male like stegosaurus lifted his leg up, over the female, it probably would have castrated him or been some sort of injury because of the spikes. So maybe they were having sex laying on their sides because there's not really many kind of ways that they could have uh, fit together appropriately. So this is any young or not so young future paleontologists out there who want a research idea. Here's one giving it to you right now. Dinosaur sex. How did they do it? Uh, You know, not a lot of people are looking into this. But you're saying there are paleontologists right now that are using computer-aided design to simulate basically dinosaur porn. Yes. The space raptor butt invasion. The, yeah. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's more legit than we thought. Maybe. All right. And on that note, we're going to come right back in a minute with questions straight from you guys, cosmic queries for not only myself and Meg, but for our esteemed paleontologist, Shana Montanari. We'll be right back. And we're back. This is Star Talk All Stars Dinosaur Sex Edition. And I'm going to be frank with you guys. Doing the research for this episode really elicited more questions than answers for me, which I guess <laughs> makes sense, seeing as how we got so many from our Cosmic Query audience as well. So I thought we'd jump right into it. Shanna, you are the expert. I'm going to try to answer a couple as well, because that is my job as a science communicator. I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on in everything, really, let alone just dinosaur sex. So let's kick it off with Frank Kane, who is a Patreon um, supporter. So thank you, Frank. Frank asks, 
Birds generally don't have obvious anatomical differences that distinguish the sexes, but they often do have different coloring or plumage to distinguish males from females. And given that birds are descendants of dinosaurs, was the same true of dinosaurs? Do we know of any dinosaur feathers that have been preserved that suggest gender differences? So we do have... A, we're getting a growing number of preserved dinosaur feathers, uh, mostly from China, which is great because we're learning a lot more about feathers. But we can't really say that we see a distinct difference. And again, most of it goes back to we have a hard time identifying male and female dinosaurs. We really don't know unless we have an outside piece of evidence like eggs or something, which which fossil that we have, like if it's male or female. So it's kind of hard to even tell like what the feathers because then you kind of go in the circle where you don't really know what sex dinosaur you're looking at anyway but we have been able to find out a lot about feathers um through these really well-preserved fossils about their colors for example and we know that dinosaurs had a variety of different colors by looking at really small uh cell structures that are still present in their feathers that are called melanosomes and these show that some of them were black, some of them were red, some of them were rainbowy. So the fact that they had these different coloration patterns and probably some of them were striped uh, means that uh, much like modern birds, they probably did look males and females look different and that they used their feathers for display. Nice. Stands the reason. All right. Yeah, I had another question. Uh, Larry Lavoie and, uh, from Facebook and M. Helmi Fabu from Twitter both wanted to know, uh, did dinosaurs mate for life or did they choose a new partner each rutting season? This is a good question for fall. It's starting to get cold. We're starting to look around, maybe settle down for the season. That cuffing season. Right. Shayna, did dinosaurs do the same? Uh, no way for us to really know. We haven't even, we've never found a fossil of dinosaurs, like even caught in the act or anything. We, which you're like, probably like, how would you ever find that? Well, actually, uh, there are fossils of other animals that have been found that are even way older than dinosaurs, uh, especially fish fossils that have been found actually who died having sex. So it is possible. There, um, there could be, it could be out there, but we haven't found that for dinosaurs. We really don't know much about their partner choosing habits at the moment. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to go out for sure. For sure. That would be, I can't imagine if you are the paleontologist who discovers the first dinosaurs having sex fossil, like you might as well just quit, right? Like, yeah, you, 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 you can't stop that. I know, I know Shana that in the past you've told me that you've scoured the globe for the choicest of fossils. Would that not be the choicest of fossils? That would be the one. Yeah. That, I think that would make me just walk away and be like, I'm done here. That's, that's drop. the best. Mm -hmm. All right. So moving on, Marangelitsa from Instagram is curious to know, Shana, were some dinosaurs ovoviviparous, which is a word that is very hard for me to say. I'm going to try it one more time. Ovoviviparous. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, you are. Um, so probably not. We have not found any evidence of that. But first, I will define what that yeah, means. Thank you, because I have no idea what that uh, means. For those, for Dustin, who's the only person who doesn't know what that means, right. obviously, because Meg, Meg knows. Meg is shaking her head like yeah. I'm an idiot for not knowing. Yeah, she's like, how could he not know that? Know. Um, so that means that there are the animal does lay eggs, but the eggs are contained inside the body and the animal, the baby then hatches inside the body and then is expelled or born. Um, so some animals that do that include sharks. Some species of shark do that and actually rattlesnakes. Whoa. So 
baby rattlesnakes are born fully formed and like ready to rock and roll. There's no rat, there's no egg shell that they have to pop out of. Um, But with, with dinosaurs, they're oviparous, which just means they lay, they lay eggs like birds do. So in the sharks and the rattlesnakes you're talking about, there are eggs that are like held internally as they're incubating Mm -hmm. and then they hatch inside. And then the animal gives live birth to that recently. Yes. Eggling is eggling a word. Yeah. Um, I'm Can not sure. Be? Maybe. All right. We'll look into that. Meg, find out if eggling <laughs> is a word. I will. That's the cutest. Okay. Meg, I think you should ask this question because whoo, it's a lot there. Yeah. And honestly, I've been wondering this myself. Mm-hmm. So Joe Anderson, 2429 from Instagram, you are in good company. Uh, is there a female dinosaur that killed the male after mating like the black widow or maybe like a praying mantis? <laughs> No evidence for that. That would be unusual. I don't think any birds do that to my knowledge. There are some animals that die after mating. Um, it's called semel parity that they just die. They just fall it's apart and die. Can you like say, octopus. What is it called again? Uh, semel parity, semel paris. That oh, means wow. that they just die after they mate. That's strangely romantic. That sounds like a super angsty teenagers high school band. Shane, are you ready? We're keeping this. We're keeping it rolling. We have so many great questions. Um, So I'm one. Oh, this is good. This is kind of almost straight out of Jurassic Park. Azur Devilgen from Instagram and Dude Do from Instagram. Dude Do, not Doo Doo. Get your head out of the gutters, people. (laughs) They know what Uh, they did. Yeah. Would it be responsible to assume some dinosaurs may have been able to change genders like some frogs can? And if so, how can we tell from their fossils? Just real quick, gender is a cultural construct, whereas mm-hmm. when we are talking about dinosaurs, we're talking about sex. Um, but I'm going to throw that back to you, Shana. Do you think it's possible some dinosaurs may have been able to change sex in order to mate? Uh, and could this be a part like, of a movie? Y- yes. Uh, do I think that? No, I do not. Because that's a, that's a strange trait of um, some amphibians do that. Although... There are a lot of interesting things that happen with reproduction in reptiles. Like there are types of lizards that can lay eggs without male fertilization. Um, And another thing, not really changing sexes, but sex determination in in reptiles can happen due to temperature, which is a big thing now uh, talking about climate change is that certain temperatures will produce only females or only males. So if the temperature changes enough that that can actually damage populations of animals like uh, alligators and crocodiles because they're going to be subjected to that. So um, yeah, actually one of my friends was doing a research project on this with, with baby alligators to see if they could determine at what point uh, they become female or become male and when that will happen with climate change. So that could something like that, realistically could have happened um, with dinosaurs too, since that's a pretty, uh, you know, it's a, it's a trait that you see in reptiles, but then again, you don't really see it in birds. So it's again, kind of, we don't know. (laughs) So you're saying it's more likely that is more likely than females killing males immediately after mating. I, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a solid yes on that. Okay. So probably more likely. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask this question simply because I love this particular Instagrammers handle. It is Octoboob which I assume means what exactly what you think it means. Um, do paleontologists know approximately how long dinosaurs took to incubate their eggs? And I assume that it will be wild variation based on the size and the species. So that's an interesting question because as we've been talking about, you know, we look at birds to see what dinosaurs were like, cause they're the only living relatives. 
And by looking at birds, birds actually lay their eggs and incubate them very, very fast. Uh, the times range between like 11 days up to about two and a half months. So that's and then they're at, they're ready. They're ready to hatch. So we would have assumed, OK, maybe dinosaurs would have been similar. Uh, actually, there was a really cool study done that just shows how far we're coming in paleontology, I think, l- last year, where some paleontologists took two embryonic dinosaur fossils uh, from one of them was from Mongolia. So one of the Mongolian fossils that, you know, my the team that I was on used to collect, um, you know, back in the day, found these beautiful embryonic dinosaur fossils. And looked at the tiny, tiny, tiny little teeth that are on the embryonic dinosaur and then cut those apart and then looked at them under a super high powered microscope and was able to see growth lines in the teeth. Uh, Because as the teeth deposit enamel and grow, you can see tiny little lines and that those are really give you the indication of time. And since you know how often those lines form. If you count the number of lines in the teeth, you can say, okay, this dinosaur was this age when it hatched. And it seems from the study that they were probably at least three months old. So that means that they were probably incubated for at least three months, which is longer than modern birds. And so this was a protoceratops uh, dinosaur, so uh, ornithischian dinosaur. So that you know, as you said, it probably would differ uh, wildly between types of dinosaurs and size and all that kind of thing. But since embryonic dinosaur fossils are so rare, and as we mentioned before, cutting up dinosaur fossils is kind of dicey because you don't want to ruin a really nice fossil. And because embryonic dinosaur fossils are so rare, we don't really want to damage them too much. Uh, So, you know, it's hard to do studies like this, but for this study, it was really interesting kind of first look to see dinosaurs actually take a long time to uh, incubate. Do you think generally speaking, we can assume that the larger the dinosaur, the longer it would take to incubate much like gestation periods or longer, longer generally for larger animals are alive today? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, the complexity and the size of the animal and metabolism all factor into how long the incubation period is. And then some just have interesting habits of incubation and parental care. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. But that I mean, the size could be definitely could be a controlling factor. But that is pretty fascinating that you can look at those rings laid down, those layers laid down. I mean, that's much like dendrochronology, right? Or tree ring dating, where you can look at the yeah. the growth seasons and figure out how old that tree was. That's amazing that you can do that with, I, I thought I'd heard that you can do that with like a femur or a large bone. I had no idea you could do that with the actual teeth to age like a very, very young dinosaur. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got a couple more questions. Um, Meg, I'm going to let you read this one. I like that one a lot. And then I want to end with an even better one. Beautiful. So uh, Dixon Clinton from Instagram wanted to know, uh, as they've been extinct for millions of years, on a scale of 1 to 100, how confident are you that you can accurately describe the social behaviors of these creatures? Maybe we should have started that at the top, right? I think that's what we've been talking about a lot. We're hypothesizing about these. So yeah, how confident are you, Shana? You are a paleontologist. We've been talking a lot about speculation about what these things look like and how they actually mated. How certain are we? How certain can we be? Oh, yeah, that's tough because we have been talking about that a lot. And, you know, some of the inferences that we have from from birds later do get confirmed. You know, we would have assumed dinosaurs were different colors and we thought, well, you know, their feathers were different colors. And we would have thought, well, we'll never be able to figure that out. You know, not even that long ago until we realized, oh, we can actually see the melanosomes and figure out the color. And we realized, oh, we were right. Actually, there there are 
dinosaurs that are different colored like birds. So we did kind of confirm that hypothesis um, that we made, you know, based on modern, modern observations. But then, as I just said, you know, we might think, oh, well, birds, this is how long birds take to incubate their eggs. I bet dinosaurs were similar. And of course, the one that we looked at so far has been higher than we would have thought. Um, but, you know, I mean, how confident am I? I'm confident, you know, d- looking at all the evidence. Number, and I Shana. think as time goes on, I get more and more confident that we collect greater sample sizes and more evidence and our inference methods get stronger. And just the more data we get and the more fossils we see, we can really draw patterns. I'm, I'm more confident we, when I see something happen a number of times. Um, if there's one fossil or one for example, the scratches that we mentioned earlier saying, oh, these dinosaurs are scratching like a display. I mean, that's the only evidence of that we've seen. So, you know, it's okay to remain skeptical of that, I think, because it's the only one we've seen. Um, but it seems like it fits. So, yeah, that's as good. It, with paleontology, is tough because that's sometimes the best you can do and you might never really be able to find out the real answer. And if I had a time machine, I would go back and answer, I have a big list of questions that I would want to see. Fair. And mm-hmm. they all have to do with dinosaurs. Uh, Dustin, final question yes. for you. Uh, from Daniel Junius from Facebook. What are the chances for one chicken that lays an egg containing a dinosaur? Well, if said egg has been fertilized, then 100% because chickens are birds and birds are dinosaurs. So that happens every single day. Miracles. Um, you guys, Shayna, thank you so much for joining us. Meg, I could not have done this without you. Thank you, everyone here at Star Talk All Stars. You guys, I don't care if you're asking questions, searching for dinosaurs, or simply trying to determine the size of a T Rex penis, never stop digging. Mm-hmm.